Hello, and welcome to the Space Weather Facts and Forecast podcast. I'm Isaac Brigham, amateur space weather enthusiast, and I'll be giving you the current space weather conditions, a forecast for the upcoming week, and telling you all about a fascinating space weather phenomenon. Stay tuned. For once, solar activity is fairly quiet. There are only three numbered active regions on the solar disk at the moment, and none of them appear to be magnetically complex or to pose a flare threat. In fact, the background X-ray flux is in the B range, with occasional bumps into the low C range. Certainly no major solar activity should be expected in the upcoming days. We will have to wait and see if any noteworthy sunspot groups form or rotate over the limb. The current geomagnetic conditions are slightly elevated. The KP is 3, with moderately weak solar wind data, except for a south BZ. The hemispheric power sits at 49 gigawatts in the north and 46 in the south. Surprisingly, there were a few CMEs launched in the past few days from flares from active regions. None of them are direct hits on Earth, but at least three could graze our magnetic field. In fact, we may be experiencing the passing of the first one now, showing in the south BZ. If so, the other two could be expected to arrive later today and tomorrow, with a chance to get up to KP5 G1 conditions. At least a KP4 is likely. Those at high latitudes should be alert, and even at mid-latitudes, keep an eye on the data. Thanks for listening to the forecast. Now it's time to talk about this week's featured space weather phenomena. In the last episode, I talked about the two North American solar eclipses and how to view them. Hopefully you were able to see the annular eclipse on the 14th. In this episode, I thought I'd talk a bit about solar eclipses and how they affect space weather, as well as how they've been used to study space weather. Now of course, nothing changes on the sun itself during an eclipse. The moon is about 400 times closer to us and does not affect the sun directly so space weather there continues as normal. There are, however, some interesting effects at Earth that occur during solar eclipses. Total solar eclipses have been used many times to study the sun's corona, or outer atmosphere. A total eclipse is the only time that the corona is visible to the naked eye, and the only time it is easily observable by ground-based telescopes. This is because even if a telescope blocked the sun's bright disk, Atmospheric scattering of light would still wash out the corona. The moon is essentially outside our atmosphere and doesn't have this problem. This has allowed scientists to better understand the corona and its dynamics. Some questions remain unanswered though, such as why the corona is so hot compared to the rest of the sun. A total solar eclipse also changes Earth's ionosphere, the layer where satellites orbit and radio signals are reflected back to the ground. During the day, UV and X-ray radiation from the sun ionizes atoms and creates free electrons in certain regions of the atmosphere, forming the ionosphere. When radio waves hit the free electrons, the particles absorb the energy and then re-emit it at the same frequency, effectively bouncing the radio wave back towards Earth. This is what allows radio signals to travel across huge distances, especially when the signal bounces between the ionosphere and the ground multiple times. At night, without any solar radiation, the ionosphere relaxes and shrinks, and some of the ions recombine into neutral atoms. 
Surprisingly, the ionosphere is even better at reflecting radio waves at night. This is because at night, the ions in the lower layers, where signals are typically reflected, recombine, and so the waves can penetrate higher into the ionosphere. As they travel higher before being reflected, they naturally can travel farther before reaching the ground. This is the reason why you can often pick up AM stations at night that are too far away to receive during the day. Now during a total solar eclipse, all solar radiation is temporarily blocked for a small portion of the Earth inside the moon's shadow. Since the solar radiation is blocked, you would expect the ionosphere to react, and that is exactly what scientists found during the 2017 total eclipse. As the moon's shadow passed over the U.S., experiments were run to map the ionosphere, including transmitting radio signals back and forth across the path of totality. These experiments did indeed show a drop in ion and electron density in the ionosphere within the moon's shadow, similar to what might happen at night. The change was brief, though, because the moon's shadow moves so fast over the Earth. The experiments also showed the behavior of the ionosphere during an eclipse can be somewhat hard to predict. Some radio signals were faded or absorbed, while others were reflected even better. Clearly, there is much more to learn in this field. Solar eclipses provide a unique opportunity to study space weather both at the Sun and the Earth. With more experimentation and research, we can expand our understanding of the dynamics between the Sun and the Earth, and hopefully one day be able to accurately predict space weather events. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe and share it. Also, please consider leaving a review. It helps the podcast get found. New episodes are released on the third Saturday of the month on major podcast platforms. See you next time.